Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Haggerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist, Mauricio Ramirez, used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female-identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. Joining us today is Dr. Terry Garcia, coordinator, Project Beyond Two, the College of Nursing. Thank you for agreeing to share your story with us today. Oh, my pleasure. What is the story you'd like to share? Well, I think I'd like to share the story about my identity growing up as a first-generation Mexican-American woman. I think that I have many identities, right? And my identities have evolved throughout my lifetime. I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm a nurse. But I think that the identity that I carry most with me that's most deeply rooted is being Mexican-American because I think that I can walk into a room and people may not know that I'm a mother or a daughter or a nurse, but they can speculate that I am perhaps a woman of color. because of the way I look. Where do you come from, Terry? I come from a small town in Texas, Crystal City, Texas. It's about 35 minutes from the Mexico-Texas border. It's a town of about 7,000 people, and it's known for its spinach. It's a winter garden area, and so it's the spinach capital of the world. (laughs) And so there is a Popeye erected in the front of City Hall. And it also has a lot of political history. In the 1940s, during World War II, it was a place of an encampment. And the Japanese and the Germans and the Italians lived there for several years. And in the 1960s and 70s, it was a place of Chicano revolt, where the Mexican-Americans in the high schools fought and protested against and boycotted against not having equitable rights in the education system, not being selected for student council, cheerleading in other areas. So it has quite a history. And my family was all involved with that. (laughs) So how did your identity then put you on the path that you are now on? Honestly, for years, I didn't know what path I was on. I was on perhaps a dead-end path, right? Just living life, really, with no goals, not knowing what I was going to do with my life. But I think what happened was that along that path, there were people who I came across who did have goals and gave me an opportunity to be able to see my potential and help me along the way. Now, I want to circle back a little bit because... Well, number one, the whole spinach thing fascinates me. (laughs) So how do you get from spinach to nursing? But my real question is, you were talking about the ways in which your family really fought back against injustice. How has that informed how you navigate the path that you're on now or the paths that you've taken prior to getting to this point? Sure, absolutely. I think for me, 
like I'd indicated, I didn't really have a path. And the people that I came across in my life helped me navigate that. But more so, I became friends with a person who was a nurse. And this was after I was married. And she encouraged me to become a nurse. So I pursued that. But I found that I kept going back to my family and their history and their activism and what they fought for, better rights, better education for us and for our communities. And so along this path, many years later, after I graduated and worked as a nurse in several different areas and even outside the country, when my husband was transferred to uh, Panama, he was in the Air Force. One of the things I noticed was that there were very few Hispanic or Latinx nurses. And so as a result of that, I started to investigate and figure out what I could do, what I could do to support people of color to become nurses. And I think much of that stems from going back to my family's history and the fight and the activism and the rights that they were really striving for, for other individuals. And so in my own way, I feel that I was doing that with my profession and in trying to figure out a way to ensure that nurses represented the population. They mirrored the population because I think it's important that we have nurses in our community that are of similar cultures so that there could be more cultural sensitivity and cultural humility and cultural understanding. I had a chance to put together a course some years ago on cultural diversity and health and illness. And one of the terms that I came across was curandera. What are the ways in which your culture informs your delivery of services? That's a really interesting question because my grandmother was a curandera. She lived in Crystal City, Texas. And I remember that as a young girl, people would come from all over for them to be healed by her. And she used herbs and she used prayer, never any kind of medication other than the herbs. And she never charged anyone for that. She was also a partera, which is a midwife. And so she delivered many babies when I was young. And I think that that history, right, and those influences also impacted me in a way that I think I combined both my education, the activism, and the need to improve health in my community into what I'm, my role today and what I'm doing. Thank you. So the podcast series has grown out of the mural project by Mauricio Ramirez. And so the question I have for you is, what are the ways in which this mural project resonates for you? Sure. The mural project really reminds me of a long history of strong women in my family who fought for equity and social justice. It reminds me of my aunt, Irene Santos, who had no more than a fifth grade education. Yet she was able to create change in her community by fighting for the rights of migrant farm workers and undocumented immigrants. It's really a culmination of their hard work and their relentless activism that paved a, a path for me and others in my family to go to college. So for me, the faces of the women remind me of my family. Are there other women of color who have inspired you? 
I thought about that question and I thought, are there notable women in history that have really impacted me? And I keep going back to my family, my Aunt Irene Santos with the fifth grade education, who was the director of the Spanish Center in Kenosha. And she knew every politician, every important person in the community to create that change. Or my mother, who worked two jobs, was a migrant farm worker. She still had time for us. And my grandmother, the one who I talked about, who is a curandera, she was the central point of our family. I also think about my cousin, Barbara Medina. She was very well put together. She was beautiful. She was intellectual. She was articulate. And she lived in Milwaukee, and she still does, as a matter of fact. And she really did also fight for migrant rights and immigrant rights. And her mother, Genoveva Medina, who was one of the founding board members of the United Migrant Organization. Yumos? Yumos, yes. Excellent. What's been Marquette's impact on the lives of women of color? So that is a really good question. I think when I look at Marquette's impact on the lives of women of color for me, for myself, I think I have been very positively impacted by Marquette. I've had mentors within the university that have really seen my potential and have guided and supported me to be able to pursue my doctoral degree. I think that Marquette's impact is the people, the individuals, that the relationships that they build with each other and with the students. What role has vulnerability played in the story that you're sharing with us today? So vulnerability plays an important role in my story. It's not a comfortable space to be in. And once I thought that vulnerability was a sign of weakness, but have realized it can be one of many great strengths. Strength because it allowed me to grow emotionally, professionally. It's taken me on a journey of personal growth, but more importantly, being vulnerable has helped me to share my story with students of color. For me, learning to own my story and embrace my vulnerability in a way that provides a sense of peace. That's not perfect, but it's okay. What's been the role of women of color in helping you negotiate some of these challenges? I think the role, and like I mentioned before, I think the role of women of color, first of all, I do want to say that women of color have been marginalized, right? Marginalized for a very, very long time. We're constantly judged by the color of our skin. We are constantly judged by the way we wear our hair the clothes we wear, right? The tone of our voices and the list goes on. These are all obstacles and barriers we continue to face. However, I think it's how we respond to those challenges that is key. We can do this by conveying a sense of self-assurance, developing our emotional intelligence and a strong understanding of who we are. Stay genuine, be yourself. Don't change to please others. I think establishing a strong sense of identity is important. I think we need to advocate. I think we need to nurture. I think we need to encourage and and plant the seeds in younger generations so they can see their beauty, their strengths, and their potential. I think that's one of the roles of the women of color that I see, especially when it comes to students of color. When you look out into your classroom, 
How many faces reflecting back at you look like you? Not enough. (laughs) Not enough. I think while we're making strides at Marquette, I think that we have a ways to go. And that's why I see my role as the coordinator for a diversity program so important because I want to be able to create that change. I hope for a critical mass of (laughs) students of color to create that change, but it's not happening as quickly as I'd like. And so that's why I continue on this journey to be able to change the faces of Marquette. Can you tell us a little bit about the program that you're director of? Sure. So we recruit, retain, and graduate students from underrepresented backgrounds in nursing. It started in 2007. Dr. Janet Crutchy and Dr. Leona Van Devassi were the founders of this program. They wrote the first grant, and Dr. Crutchy recruited me to Marquette. I do remember Dr. Crutchy. I was working at Aurora Healthcare and Community Health at the time, and I didn't know who she was. She had every phone number that I owned. And so she called me left and right until one day I told my husband, I don't know who this woman is, but I better call her back because she's stalking me. And so I went to Marquette and I remember her and Leona taking me into the small little conference room and handing me the grant narrative and sharing what their vision was. And I said, you know, to myself, I really do align with this vision, this vision of growing right? The number of underrepresented nurses in the workforce. And so we've been at this for almost 13 years now. We have 111 students in the program. And so we offer programming from individual advising to tutoring to structured programming. We also work very closely with partners in the community and also internal partners because we can't do this on our own. We have to leverage the resources we have on campus to support students. We offer scholarships and stipends. We've been writing grants for this program for many years now. I think we have secured more than $10 million in federal funding, and more than half of that has gone directly to support students with scholarships and stipends. Excellent. What are your hopes for the future? Your own future, Marquette's future, the future of the Milwaukee community? Well, that's a good question. First and foremost, I have hope and I count my blessings. I want to say that I count my blessings every day and I'm grateful for everything that I have, the people in my life. But we can't deny the fact that hatred, racism, inequity, and injustices continue in our country and in our world. So I hope implicit bias, microaggressions, racism, and all the other isms, right, that affect our students of color on campus would cease to exist, that there would no longer be a need for anti-racism trainings or workshops. I hope for a, a critical mass of women of color to take on leadership positions. I hope for many things, and this may sound a little bit cliche, but more than anything, my hope is for peace and a better tomorrow for this generation and generations to come. I quote Jimi Hendrix when he said, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. Oh, that might be my quote for today. There you go. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like our community to know about your journey? So my life has been an interesting, messy, complicated, 
journey with many dead ends that have rerouted me to where I am today. I'm grateful for the many blessings in my life, but I'm equally grateful for the hardships, the challenges, and even the times I've made poor choices, right? Because I can draw from my experiences to empathize and support others who may have had or are in similar situations. Time goes by quickly, right? And I want to do what I can to help others and to make the most of whatever amount of time I have left on this journey. I think about the women of color in my family, my migrant activist aunt who taught me to never forget where you came from and help others along the way. Each day I strive to emulate what I learned from my family, from members in the community, those who surround my life. And I see their gifts and I and see their potential and I express that and I vocalize that because sometimes they don't see it. You know, Maya Angelou, you may have another quote here, eloquently stated, you may encounter defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, and how you can still come out of it. Thank you, Dr. Terry Garcia. Your story stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that we're sisters podcast and the mural project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this project.